um, running a few minutes late, so apologies for that, but it's really good to be back uh, and talking about football, and as ever, there's lots to talk about. Uh, what we hope to do today is talk about what's been happening, incredible EPL day yesterday for the past couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to get um, some insight into um, the way the football is going in India in terms of the fans following in uh, of EPL clubs, European clubs, and whether that's changing because of the ISL. And then we're going to have uh, some ISL talk and start previewing um, the up and coming season, which is going to be very unique as well. But as ever, there's only one person, and that's my friend and co-host, Nevin. Welcome to the show. How are you today, mate? Good, I'm good. Happy to be here. And I'm sorry for delaying the video a little. Just a little bit of urgent work came in between. But happy to be here. Happy to be discussing football. And happy to be discussing some other teams apart from Chelsea. <laughs> because we've got other things. I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking about Chelsea as well. But um, uh, what a weekend as well. And how's your weekend? Um, we're doing this show for a change. And I think for the first time on a Monday. So we can cover the whole weekend. And um, yeah, sorry yeah. about yesterday. We, it was down to me and uh, why we didn't live stream. Uh, but um, how's your week been? It's been a couple of weeks since we spoke. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little strange here because uh, the coronavirus situation is getting bad in Kerala. So we have the section 144 imposed again and the curfews are back. At least not at the levels what like not similar to May, March, April. But the curfews are back. So uh, that's taken the sheen off a little, but it's in some ways nice that they are putting some restrictions with we need to keep this you know under check. Uh, apart from that, football-wise, what an exciting weekend with a lot of goals once again, a lot of drama off the pitch as well. Uh, new signings coming in, deadline day is fast approaching. And so, yeah, it's it's been a very interesting uh, weekend as a football fan as a as a football journalist yeah i was going i was going i was still uh, living on a high after my boys uh, did a number on man city last week and all of last week i went stop smiling and uh, it was an incredible result then yesterday's i mean results were i mean what can you say about what happened yesterday it started the, the day started really badly for me in terms of we were absolutely battered by West Ham. I wasn't expecting that at all. I thought, I know West Ham were on the back of a very good win themselves, uh, but the way we've been scoring goals for fun and the way we played against Man City, that's a result I was not expecting. I don't know if you caught any of that game. Oh, I, I caught all the games yesterday. So it was a fun day for me as a neutral in these matches to watch. Uh, and grossing games and what a... I mean, we, we've discussed this earlier as well about how Premier League is the most toughest football competition out there. And I mean, we were expecting West Ham to be relegated at the start of the season and suddenly they're looking like a top team, well-organized, uh, you know, can't stop scoring also. You've, you've got Mikhail uh, Antonio perhaps looking better than Harry Kane himself. So it's, it's been a, a very fascinating week. And... If, if I may, I know it's going to hurt you, this is pretty much what uh, Leicester did to City. So this is what uh, West Ham came and did to uh, Leicester, what Leicester did to Manchester City. So this is some weird karma happening <laughs> where everything sort of balances out in Premier League. And guess what? Everton is leading the table. Who would have thought about that? I mean, despite their good signings, we never expected them to be uh, such a dominant 
fours in the Premier League. So exciting times. And the next big Premier League match is a Merseyside derby as well. So very exciting times. Yeah, Brendan was asked about um, whether he thought that uh, West Ham came and did a job on us like we did with Man City. And it's something as a Leicester fan, we've been saying for a while that when teams come and um, defend really well, I'm not saying they're playing defensively, they're playing contract football, which is uh, suits them. But we just didn't have the guile to break them down. Um, we didn't have any ideas. It didn't help that Madison wasn't uh, playing. He had a calf injury yeah. earlier on, which started loads of rumours. But um, we, uh, I think it was too early for uh, Genghis Under to make an impact on his first game coming on when we were losing 2-0. Uh, but it's, it's been um, a constant team that when teams come here, not to play, not to attack. Uh, we struggle to break them down, and it's something that we still haven't managed to do. And yesterday, I was, um, you know, not surprised, but really disappointed that we still not found a method to do that. But in Brendan, I trust, and um, hopefully, uh, I think we've had a good transfer window. I'm not sure if we're going to get anybody today. Um, there's been talk of a uh, midfielder from France, and uh, I know we. I think we need a striker, but um, in any actual, I think um, uh, can do a reasonable job because there's nobody going to take the place of Vardy. But our issue is if Vardy gets injured, then we've got major problems. But um, moving on to it's interesting. Uh, no, it's sorry. It's interesting that you highlighted Madison because I thought he was perhaps the key to unlock West Ham because you need somebody to have a pop from outside the box when teams defend this this deep. You want somebody who can you know, you know, pack a punch and shoot from outside. And I thought Madison, I mean, I think Madison has that skill set in him. So having some, you know, a good central midfielder who can, uh, you know, he, somebody who doesn't want to just play these one twos and try to get into the box because it was so crowded, like the entire, like around 20 men were inside the penalty box. So that's definitely not going to be easy to crack unless you hit from outside. And I was a little disappointed that Leicester weren't like, you know, shooting a lot. But then again, how many days do you see Wadi missing one-on-ones or uh, an unlucky offside going this way or that way? So, I mean, Leicester does, there's still a lot for Leicester. So, I think it's too early to be sad or anything. And I think it's good to trust Brent. He's a good, good manager. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, 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 I think um, looking back, I think we've had a good uh, first four games. I would have taken the points total. Um, I think um, it's just the manner of the defeat yesterday. And I totally agree. Um, Madison would have made a difference uh, because the others were trying to walk it in. Um, I think uh, Genghis, once he gets a few games, will make a difference. I've heard really good things about him in terms of being a playmaker and willing to do something special. I'm not saying he's anywhere near what Mahrez used to do for us, but um, you know, if he can do 25-30% of what Mahrez used to do, I think we'll be okay because we need that um, special player. Um, well, doesn't every team who can open up uh, tight defences. And with Madison as well, um, no, I think uh, the break for us has come at the right time because we've got a few injuries. Hopefully Madison will come back fit. Uh, I know indeed he's a long way off, but Mendy is doing an incredible job. And I liked your tweet about there could be uh, a starting 11 of just Mendy's. I think um, it's definitely uh, possible. And I think somebody, I don't know if I saw it somewhere, but somebody has done that. And, and we have got a starting 11 of Mendy's in the Premier League. Um, but before we turn to... I can think of, I, I can think of two left back itself. Yeah. Mendy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think... City have two. 
Yeah, but I, I think somebody did um, put down an 11, and I'll try and find it and retweet it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think Messi, uh, Mendy versus Dembele is a very uh, likely <laughs> football match. I think a lot of Dembele is out there. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, but uh, before we talk about uh, the games that changed my mood yesterday, uh, what about your boys? Because um, there's been a lot of talk already about um, Frank and all the huge signings. With huge signings comes a lot of pressure. And um, the results against um, was it West Brom, I think uh, you're lucky to uh, come away with a point. It was a great comeback, but uh, not... Uh, something you would have expected from a Chelsea point of view, but then they turned it on yesterday against, um, uh, no, on Saturday against Crystal Palace, which is not an easy team to beat. I mean, um, like all uh, that play the top six, they fill the defence, but um, what's your, being, your view on uh, Chelsea and the start they've had before the break? Mm, I'm not happy, but I can't complain because uh, Chelsea have got enough points to be satisfied, I think considering the marginal or next to no preseason that they've had and the kind of players that they've brought in, it's always going to be difficult for a manager to get the balance right. I am not really a, a, a big fan of how Werner is being used. He's being used as an out-and-out winger. I, I mean, he can play as a wide forward perhaps, but he should be running onto balls and not having balls play through his legs. Howard's is also a little lost. I think we've seen him in multiple positions. One day we saw him on the right wing. One day we saw him as a secondary striker. Then as a number 10. But I think against Crystal Palace, uh, in a 4-2-3-1 formation, they got some sort of balance right. And uh, that enabled Jorgino also to play because Kante wasn't bombing forward. Both of them were sitting back and gave uh, Chelsea that extra uh, defensive help that they required. So the moment uh, a Ben Chilwell or uh, Aspilicueta pushed up, uh, these uh, these defensive midfielders were willing to occupy their position. So Chelsea held their uh, you know uh, their shape pretty well in that match, and that's that's a big outcome for me. So at least we are moving in the right direction. Obviously, having Thiago Silva and Mendy and Ben Chilwell playing is a huge advantage because I think Chelsea have been playing without a left back for ages now. A wing back perhaps in in Alonso, but like whenever Chelsea played with the four-man defense, it was always a nightmare. Uh, because both Emerson and uh, Alonso are not out and out left back. So Ben Chilwell had a very good game. And yeah, what a debut! I'm very happy. Yeah, very positive game. Uh, like I was surprised. I wasn't expecting him to play this well. But perhaps this is also Crystal Palace, and he got enough space to make those runs. I don't know whether he'll be able to play like that against a, a Liverpool or a, a tougher opposition. Again. Don't know what to, what to say about Liverpool, but <laughs> let's not go there. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, ha I'm happy. The, the the general trend seems to be upwards for Chelsea. But again, uh, Lampard needs to really unlock Werner and Havertz. And hopefully that can be done with Pulisic and CH back in the reckoning. So again, a good welcome break for Chelsea. Hopefully these two will be back fit by the time uh, the Premier League resumes. Yeah, and uh, like we said, I think uh, Ben had an incredible um, first game. Um, a couple of things in terms of uh, Chelsea. We were one of those that wanted Kepa uh, replaced. And also, I was I was a little bit surprised um, with the loan signing of um, a 
forget the guy's name that went to Villa. Um, he was loaned out to Villa. Ross Buckley. Ross Buckley. And uh, obviously he scored yesterday. But I was a little bit surprised by that. And what, yeah. what, were, you, what were your views on Kepler as well? One of the most expensive goalkeeper signings. Uh, with Kepa, I agree with the decision because there's no point just sticking to this tag that, oh, we've spent so much money, so we have to just play him, play him. Because he's a, uh, he's a keeper who's lost all the confidence and uh, clearly, uh, you know, costing Chelsea a lot of points. You saw a difference a keeper made for Liverpool, right? Suddenly, Alisson is out and Adrian is in and there's a world of difference from, you know, they're suddenly looking like a mid-table side as compared to the Liverpool that we know. So, you know, I don't know how good Mendy is, but considering the last few performances in which he's played, at least he seems better than Kepa. And with Thiago Silva coming in and organising that defence, Bell Chilwell offering a lot more of athleticism on the left, I think Chelsea are moving in the right direction when it comes to defence. Again, with Barkley, I agree. I'm also a little surprised that they, uh, you know, gave him out because I think... You can have Mount or Havertz not really performing and then Barkley would have been that Premier League proven depth that you needed in the midfield. And with uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek also likely to leave, I can only think of Chelsea wanting to create space for somebody like a Declan Rice. I, didn't, I don't know any other reason why they would want to offload Barkley also. But good for him. Maybe Barkley also came out and said, listen, I am at a point in my career where I am not willing to sit out, like say, 20-30 matches a season and just wait for my opportunity. I want to go where I am appreciated and get a lot of game time. And if he continues playing like that and, you know, forming a good partnership with Grealish, he might actually be in the England team. So, good for Barkley. Yeah, I think he will. He will be in the England squad moving forward. It's just very surprising. I didn't even hear rumours of um, of that uh, deal going ahead. I know it's a loan signing, but I think uh, Villa have done a brilliant job getting him. I don't know how, but uh, and the fact that he's willing to go to a club like Villa, um, I think um, shows that he's more about playing time than um, and. Um, just sitting on a bench taking the money uh, at a big club. So fair play to Ross Barkley. Um, coming to uh, the games yesterday, and um, we've got to start off with United. I mean, there were problems at United. We know that. Uh, I think the the project restart and the games they played uh, papered over some of the cracks that they had. And uh, the talk has been about the defence, and it got shown up against Brighton. I thought they were very lucky to get away with that. Um, I think uh, fair play to Oli. He admitted it, uh, that you know they were lucky to get the points. But how's your brother feeling today? Uh, I haven't spoken to him after the match. I thought I'll be kind enough to, <laughs> just, you know, give him some time to recover from that uh, very humiliating defeat to Tottenham. But again, one might argue that the, the red card incident was a little harsh in terms of. A, it was sort of a date for that. Probably give yellow to both or give red to both. But oh, it should again, be red to both. Yeah. And and you should also understand these are professional footballers. So they know what gives them a red card and what does not. So I mean, I, I might not sound like a purist here, but like if I were Ole or if I were any Premier League manager, I would ask Martial, why didn't you fall down? And you know, cry. <laughs> 
the other guy a red card. That's the most sensible thing to do. You've been just create a fuss over it. I mean, I'm sure Marino would have said that too. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, that is, I mean, I know it sucks and I know it's against the, uh, you know, the spirit of the game or whatever. But like in the spirit of the game, if you slap him back, you're the one getting the red card. So, I think they started the problem for United. But, I mean, we, we keep, I mean, we keep asking about, you know, Harry Maguire, about Lindelof, about Bailey, about Tegia. But I thought United midfield was completely out of the game yesterday. Tottenham came with strength and power and desire and the likes of Pogba had, you know, he just kept strolling around the park and that meant pressure and pressure and the likes of Son who very direct and they, they don't miss a lot of chances, do they, Tottenham? If they get six chances, they're scoring four because they're very clinical. And imagine there's another Gareth Bale waiting who, who can also come to in, come into this side. So it's a little uh, intimidating to think what this Tottenham, uh, Tottenham team can do. But that said, I think I'm very disappointed with United. I mean, we can talk about the lack of transfer activities. It's not really a lack of track, tra- uh, transfer activities. They've spent millions. Mm-hmm. They also got Van Der Beek. Why isn't Ole risking him? Now, Now he's a player who's versatile and willing to run. He should have been in that match. The moment that red card happened, you should have brought that, uh, you know, a, a player who's all about desire and uh, would have at least, you know, put his body on the line and defended. Uh, so, it's also down to, I personally feel the manager not really being good enough. I think he's got one good strategy of counter, counter-attacking at great pace, which really helped them in the, uh, you know, after the uh, restart. But now I think a lot of managers have figured out how to play against United in that particular formation. So, they are in like attacking United. They are also sifting back and, and suddenly they don't have a, you know, a plan B somewhere. So, Difficult times. I think I've already heard that they're signing Cavani, good experienced striker. Uh, that uh, there is Telles, who's apparently joining as a left back. So you can't really complain about the lack of signings. That's a defender, that's a midfielder, and a striker in the summer, which for a normal club would be okay. A club that finished third in the table, but I'm sure United fans are not going to be happy about it because they're very likely to miss out on Sancho. But yeah, yeah I mean. I'm a little disappointed with how United have been organized in the last few matches and very clear lack of ambition and desire. I think Bruno is the only one who you can like look at him and think that he wants to do something on the pitch. Nobody else seemed to be like really bothered about what's happening on the pitch. Yeah, and a couple of points uh, I just want to pick up on yesterday's Lamella, that was so embarrassing. Um, I know you see that in European football, but we don't see that in English football but, uh, often. When it does, it gets highlighted, it, it gets shown up. And Lamello, uh, that was a disgraceful what he did. Um, it was just a touch, that, a slight touch. And uh, the way he went down, I think he should have got a red card just for that, the way he acted. Um, it's not something we want to see in the Premier League. Like I said, you see it in Europe, but uh, this isn't Europe. And he's been in the Premier League long enough not to know that. But uh, I suppose some part of your Latin uh, origins does uh, stick with you for, uh, for a long time. But um, I know they've been linked with Cavani. And, but I don't think, uh, I mean, they used to talk about Arsenal. And Arsenal always never used to buy defenders. And everybody knew the issue was around the defence. And the same with United. I don't know why they've not been linked with a big money signing. I know they spent a fortune on Maguire and he's having a poor season. He's still England captain. He's had some off the field issues that might be in the back of his mind. 
but I think um, the issues, like everybody says, I agree with them, and it gets shown up, and it got shown up yesterday, was in defence. Uh, Luke Shaw, I thought, was lucky to stay on the pitch um, on that tackle on Moreno, um, was it? Um, near the end, I think that was a horrible tackle that could have ended up really badly. Um, and yeah, a lot of people bring, uh, blame Ed uh, Woodward, uh, the chief executive there in the signings, but I agree with you. The money's been spent, it's just not been spent well. And um, you've just got to think, does Ollie attract the big names? I mean, when you look at Ancelotti and the type of players he seems to attract, it's because of Ancelotti himself. Um, that counts for a lot uh, as a manager, your reputation and what you've done and your standing. And I think Ollie is struggling at the moment. Um, I think if I don't know if it is as much about Ole struggling because I think United is still a big brand that a lot of good players would want to come here for the project. I mean, I, I I'm sure pretty sure Sancho was convinced about coming, and I'm sure a lot of other players would also like coming and being part of this club. But unfortunately, something is wrong. The management seems a little off. You know, I think uh, was it Evra who said it like if. If you have a car price at 120 million, you can't keep asking if you'll get it for 100 million. You either buy a car that is available for 100 million, or you pay up the 120 million and get the car, or you just like move on. You know, this the entire Sancho saga has gone on for the entire like the, forget summer. I think from project restart, we've been hearing this, uh, you know, rumor. And and imagine we're on deadline day and really there's nothing happening. So. I don't know if it's Woodward who is to be blamed. I don't know if it's Glazier who needs to be blamed. I don't know who's there, but like the club need is clearly lacking, a, a, you know, sense of direction. And you're right. Why don't you think go and say sign a Koulibaly or Jimenez? Yeah. Just go make a big signing. Nobody's going to. I mean, opposition fans are going to be sad and we'll probably mock saying you bought the title or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you can buy a title, why not go buy a title? Just you know, spend that money on a big centre-back. Yeah, I mean, they often accuse uh, your team and uh, their neighbours of buying titles. But uh, yeah, I think um, they've spent money in, in the past. They can't deny that. Um, so, yeah, I can't understand why they're not being linked with a defender. That, um, and uh, you mentioned too there, and Kulabali, I think, has been mentioned a lot. And um, um, it was linked with Man City as well at the start, uh, but uh, that's not happened. Um, so, yeah, a few problems for Man United. Um, but um, also, one of the good things about the Premier League, and I think you mentioned it at the start, is how competitive it is. Anybody can beat anybody. But what I didn't see is Liverpool losing 7-2 to Aston Villa of all teams. I know Villa have strengthened, have started well, but nobody saw that coming. Um, and Popped in have a clue even at the second at half time when they were already four one down, so you're playing. Uh, you need miracles to come back from that sort of scoreline. Uh, but what did you make of that performance from Liverpool? I mean, I know they didn't have Mane and, like you say, Allison, but they're not a two man team, surely. Yeah, I think Liverpool fans have been crying out for squad depth. They got really lucky in the last two seasons with very very less number of injuries and they've always almost always maintained that core now you see uh, a few errors from the likes of virgil van dyke which is uncanny 
and now suddenly you have no money no alison and this team looks very beautiful right so uh they've gone out and signed tiago they signed jota they have minamino so it's not like they haven't invested in replacement probably not had time uh because club always stuck to that front three and he rarely changed it so uh i mean you can probably blame club but then he was trying to win a title and he wanted to play the best three he had in terms of uh, front three and yeah i mean i, I mean i always thought I, mean, I, i know a lot of people who took the watford game from last year as the example of sitting back and countering against liverpool but i always thought attacking them was the only way because their full backs if they are if they are allowed to dictate the game they will take it away from you mm-hmm. if you allow Robertson and uh, Trent Arsenal to you know play in a, in the opposition half they will win that game for liverpool so the only way is to keep them pinned towards their defense and defensively i think both are vulnerable so you can make a ball out of them you can uh, perhaps outpace them bully them whatever so I think now more and more teams are aware of it because the the sitting back policy is clearly not working out for them because the likes of Salah Mane they're all too brilliant that even if you pack they will find a way to score a goal. So now I think a lot more teams I think Bielsa opened it up with the first match saying hello why don't we take the attack to uh, Liverpool and now uh, the, I mean Aston Villa press really well I think especially towards uh, the middle portion of the pitch i think they pressed really well and really troubled uh, uh troubled uh, liverpool so i think this is a good strategy i hope more teams take it though like uh, i hope more teams are willing to risk it and i am afraid that more top teams won't be i think it's the mid table teams and the lower teams that will be you know willing to take this risk i think top teams will sit back against chelsea for example they just sat back sat back with despite the plethora of talent in their ranks and finally just some one or two key passes chelsea got a red card the game is over so hopefully we will see teams attacking liverpool yeah and it's really strange because um you think there was a aura of invincibility with the the top teams and liverpool being the top team at the moment where some clubs already have lost in their minds before they get onto the pitch but i think uh, like you said bielsa started it but also the way uh Brendan played against Man City, Villa against uh, Liverpool and um you know they seem to have found a way of because they play similar ways of a high back line um attacking wing backs and um but managers seem to well that's what they're there for but they seem to well and you need the players to implement a plan to counter that but uh it just goes to show that you know the likes of Everton Wolves I think will still be a force but with my own Leicester City then you've got the likes of uh Villa I think it might surprise a few people it's it's not going to be a, a walk in the park as it was last year for the top 2 and i i like yesterday night i was reminded of this weird cycle of things i remember Roy Keane laughing about Aston Villa surviving relegation and partying and Roy Keane saying oh why are they you know partying like they want to be and then i remember last week Klopp getting pissed about something Roy Keane said yes. about you know <laughs> and then finally you have the next week uh Klopp being humbled by this Aston Villa side 
I was just like correlating, and I've, I've just—I mean, we've discussed this before as well. Football is a great leveler. You know, you need to always be be humble and humble. respect the game. Yeah, and I, I, I thought it was in some way a poetic justice to everything that has happened, and Villa coming to sort of you know come save Roy Keane's grace in some way. So I thought the the, the entire triangle of things or the circle of things was quite interesting. What? Well, it's funny you should say that because we uh, obviously have Sky Sports here and on their uh, programme yesterday, they had Graeme Tunis covering both the United games and the Liverpool game from the studio. And um, he was smiling and you could see his face at the United score. And somebody put a meme up afterwards, well, this morning, actually, of his face during the Liverpool game as well. So, you know, um, he was it, it, that was in one afternoon. Ex described exactly what you were saying about you know don't be um, uh, overly happy uh, at other people's uh, demise or embarrassment because it can happen to you very quickly and happen to Graham Tunis in the same afternoon so yeah there's a lesson for uh, people but also the other one I don't know if you saw Patrick Everett's reaction after the United game oh he yes, was yes absolutely yes. fuming um, I've not seen a pundit react that way I know he's a United fan and what have you but he made some very strong comments live on TV. I mean, I really like him for that. I mean, I, I sometimes find TV and everything is too polished and not really reflecting how we talk in real life. And you have Evra who comes in with all his aura and <laughs> says what he wants. He, he, I mean, he said something controversial before the United Crystal Palace match as well. So he's bringing a lot of uh, fun to punditry. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a bit like Roy Keane. I love Roy Keane. And to be fair, I like Carrie uh, <laughs> yeah. Neville as well. I think he, he speaks his mind and uh, he's I've liked him more as a pundit than I did him as a player. But uh, yeah, it, it was good to see uh, Patrick uh, showing his uh, passion and feeling uh, as a United fan. Uh, but moving on also um, in terms of India, and I know when Liverpool do, do well, uh, Twitter is flooded with all the Liverpool fans in India uh, rejoicing, quite rightly, I suppose. They've had 30 years of drought when it comes to the Premier League. Um, was it quiet on all fronts, or was it? I, I didn't catch up with Twitter a lot yesterday in terms of um, oh my God. fans of rival teams this was, having. <laughs> this was the most fun I've had, like in ages. <laughs> I, I For once, I was looking back and just enjoying what other people were saying on social media on whatsapp groups because like you said about Sunes, you know you had like a bunch of trolls and everything coming out against united after the first match and like oh uh, you know look at uh, ole trying to replicate so alex because he's had like a six month loss as well so like yeah united has finally managed to find a successor there were a lot of jokes happening and then like another 90 minutes and Oh my God, United fans are all out and <laughs> back like, wow, you know, Liverpool's not going to let us walk alone. <laughs> and, <laughs> all the, and then you have Barca fans saying, hello, you need, you haven't reached Barca level yet of conceding eight. So we are still on top. It's just, I think everybody just had a lot of fun because I think everybody just bonded over the misery. <laughs> For once, all of all the fans were united. And I think as Chelsea fans, we were saying, we will never concede seven because we do it in threes. We three <laughs> nine. So we were all just, I think uh, it was a lot of fun. And I think, yeah, this is the beauty of football, right? The unpredictability and the camaraderie. And so 
I mean, we can be like supporting different teams, but in in that mystery, I think we found a bond. <laughs> so just yeah, it it does bring rival fun, fans yeah. together. Um, can I just mention to um, our viewers and also describe to our listeners that uh, the fact that uh, Nevin is wearing a red T-shirt is by no means a reflection of his feelings about yesterday's results um, and the, what happened to the two red teams yesterday. So it's just a coincidence. Isn't that right? Absolutely not. <laughs> I specifically chose red for a, uh, for a reason. <laughs> um, it's, well, and you said, you know, I think this is the um, in, 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 why the Premier League is so popular compared to the European leagues. They might have the big names. Uh, of course, the Premier League does. But but in terms of anybody can be anybody. I know the results yesterday were, you know, at another level. But um, it just shows the competitiveness of, of the league and how many teams can beat the top teams. I think that, that's what makes it so good and so enjoyable to watch. And uh, there's very few games you can quite confidently uh, predict. Um, but the other thing that happened last week was obviously the Champions League. Draw. Did that get uh, much attention back home? And um, did people have views? Because a lot of United fans have been saying that, you know, they are in the every every tournament have a group of death. But um, was there much uh, conversations around the Champions League? Or is it too early at the moment? And people will wait until uh, the knockout stages. No, there was a lot, especially the United uh, PSG and also uh, Liverpool's also in a very interesting group with Ajax and Atlanta. And so I think the, there were a lot of conversations, but I think I've seen multiple people say this also. A lot of people think too much football is happening right now. There seems to be football every day. Like there is League Cup, there is, you know. Don't they remember Europe. three months ago? Yeah. <laughs> I think they just like, um, I, I saw a tweet yesterday saying, I'm taking a few days off from football now. Can't wait for the, in fact, football fans are waiting for international break. Imagine that. Like, we hated international breaks otherwise, because it was just a, you know, a, a break from the Premier League schedule. Uh, but like right now, it was just like, yeah, maybe, you know, that's a weekend I can probably meet my friends and not watch every, and and the whole scheduling this season is also that one matches after the other, right? So, mm. you, if you're a person who follows all football matches, that means like for us in India, it starts at like four in the evening and goes to like one in the night. So, absolutely no social life possible if if you're going to watch all the matches. So, we are now actually looking forward to a couple of days, couple of weekends without football matches so that you can catch up with friends. Or, you know, <laughs> wow, that's that's a quick change from a few months ago. And uh, yeah. like you said, I remember writing this. I remember writing this piece also calling, you know, football the great escape. Now it's, I'm going to write something. I need a great escape from football. <laughs> You've been overdosed in the past couple of weeks. I'm not complaining, of course. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I have good fun. Yeah, but also that's on the back of uh, the change in government policy because um, initially uh, they did say that a uh, limited number of fans, um, I think we talked about in the first show, were going to be allowed into the stadiums um, from this weekend that's just gone. Uh, but obviously um, the numbers of infections has gone. In, I mean, they're the highest now than they were during the uh, peak. Um, I think there were about seven or 8,000 I think 9,000, they got the figures mixed up yesterday, so they've corrected that, but about 9,000 infections a day. So they changed the government policy 
and um, so no football fans into the stadiums now they're saying for six months um, obviously they keep saying that we'll review the position because all the clubs have made preparations uh, my own club Leicester City had been in touch um, and um, advised us of the process for going to the games because there was going to be limited numbers they were going to do a rotor basis where you can uh, your name would go into a draw and uh, you'd be selected as to whether you could go and they'd also made rules about once you're in the stadium you know you weren't going to be allowed to sing you'd have to stick with your own bubble so it was going to be very different but at least we could have had the chance of going into the stadiums but obviously that's been taken away and so the tv companies have now um you know, being forced to show every single game live. So you have back-to-back games um, on Saturday and Sunday. So that will be the case till, well, like I said, um, they're saying six months. So we'll see what happens if anything changes. I can't see it changing at least till December. Um, We're in October, November. This is when the flu season starts. So it's unfortunate. And, um, but uh, in terms of football, it's only going to increase because, like I said, the Champions League is going to start into this month, uh, Europa League, in which I was so happy with the draw. I think you were happy with the draw as well with Chelsea getting Seville, Rennes and uh, Kranznodar, wherever they're from. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about them. <laughs> uh, but I was when I looked at the Leicester City's draw, because I followed them uh, home and away last year uh, when we were in the uh, Champions League and we had a really good uh, venues to have gone I mean Braga is a beautiful stadium incredible stadium um, but unfortunately it's not going to happen um, I think uh, the UEFA have actually said that if in your country or your area um, the local authorities allow fans then they will allow it they trialled it in the Super Cup um, I think there was about uh, 10,000 odd fans in the Super Cup yeah. and that seemed to work. So what you'll see is clubs in England, certainly, and Belgium maybe um, being empty. But if you go to Portugal, if you go to Germany, you'll see fans. Um, so it's going to be a mixed uh, way of watching football, some with fans and others with uh, no fans. So uh, that'll be a little bit different. And we'll have to see if that makes a difference um, to um, the games as well, because we know fans do make a difference as a 12th man. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to ask you is, um, Something I've thought about since we started this new live stream and the football show is um, I know the huge following uh, European clubs have in India. Do you think with the ISL's brand and image and um, popularity gaining that the uh, level of support people have for uh, EPL clubs or European clubs will slightly go down and people will start supporting ISL clubs as their number one club and stick with that? Do you think that time will come? Or is that time? Can you see that starting? Uh, I mean, it's a very difficult question to answer because I think a lot of us did have our first exposure through Premier League, and uh, that is still undoubtedly the cool thing to do. So you can wear a Liverpool jersey, United jersey, and people acknowledge you. And it's it's got so much to do with identity than you wearing uh, perhaps a Mumbai City jersey because not a lot of people will realize what you're wearing. So it's still very early stages to have that kind of an impact where you know people recognize there is a uh, you know every there is a community forming. So, but like if you look at it in a uh, in a local perspective, uh, especially with the I League, for example, uh, you will see a lot of big fans who real Kashmir and say Kashmir, 
or like an isol for isol because they have been pampered with actual football they've been able to go visit and part of their family tradition to go with family and things like that so it really depends on particular clubs and particular regions i'm sure northeast will uh, talk a lot more about you know closer connectivity with local clubs and uh, you know not being so big a fan of say uh, liverpool and city and chelsea and all that but when you ask if it's going to change i think the community itself is growing so it's not like the already set fans will now you know move from supporting chelsea to supporting kerala blasters instead what will happen is that a new football fan will might i mean might you know pick up kerala blasters first and not not chelsea mm. because he or she has exposure to good football right now there's a lot yeah. more of marketing i league days uh, you know it is cooler is more abundantly available on tv it's produced well so at least a newer generation of fans might be able to have that option of picking one or even like at least supporting both really well like even i mean i i can pretend to be a big indian football fan but like i'm sure i care about chelsea more than i care about any indian football club that's the very honest truth about it. because like my childhood has been supporting chelsea i didn't support any local indian club mm. so i think the future is where the change will be you know really visible and you can i mean provided i be continues isl continues this growth and also incorporate a lot of i league teams because they bring in a lot of real audience who you know pampered with actual uh, match viewing experience and traditions and all that i think the kolkata fans moving in are like a big thing so uh, for isl uh, that that should definitely help the brand grow a lot more but like this is the this is a future that we've only put the you know the foundation stone i think it's a in the 10 year 15 year run if we can continue and sustain this momentum yes you might see a, a person saying i am a bigger mumbai city fan than i am a manchester city fan but yeah i mean that's the ultimate goal but that's really interesting uh, what you said that you know um you're a bigger chelsea fan and i totally get that as well yeah um but uh, just moving on to some um uh, topics that have come out in terms of indian football obviously the i league second division uh, kicks off this week um i take it there's been or will there be any interest in that there i mean obviously there's an interest because now it's no longer a second division it's called i league qualifier yeah. so because you uh it's is basically a qualification tournament into the i league and i think a lot of big money teams are also involved so mohammedan is a big team and they are apparently yeah. getting uk investors you have bangalore fc who are a big team then you have you know uh, ara who we've covered in our documentaries and previous episodes and stuff so there are like big teams involved and big money involved and very important for indian football also because i would say all these teams should be featuring in the i league so because they bring in a lot of uh, good infrastructure good set of fans good management and all that so hence there is a battle at least within the football fraternity i think everybody will have their eyes fixed there's also a big covid challenge apparently a few players have turned positive so right. you never know how well this uh, this tournament is you don't want a team suffering you saw what happened to napoli versus juventus and, yeah uh, so there is a risk of uh something like that happening with the second division because i don't think it's they're being super careful as they are with the isl and the bubble and all that so 
interesting space to watch out for, especially as a news person. I think that's something I'll definitely, you know, be focusing on. Yeah, and if they can get it right, like you said, it'll be a really great achievement. And um, for the champions moving into the I League, um, big news uh, in that uh, they'll have an actual chance of winning the title now that one of the big guns, East Bengal, have been confirmed in the ISL. No big surprise there. Yeah, I mean, East Bengal has never won the I League, so technically they shouldn't they shouldn't change the possibility of <laughs> chance. Uh, uh, another another I League club uh, winning the title, but I think both the clubs going, especially Mohan Bagan leaving the uh, the I League. So that's like two big football clubs with a lot of money and you know ability to buy players leaving. That gives a potential for the likes of Gokulam, even Real Kashmir, Chennai City, all of them to you know Punjab FC. All of them have now like a very decent chance. And again, these are all well managed clubs. Uh, we've been very vocal. Gokulam seems to be a very exciting project. Punjab is now under a new management. And they've, they're very keen interest in developing football. Real Kashmir is a dream project. All of us love Real Kashmir. Uh, and they've got a good team, good manager. Uh, we cannot stop loving the uh, Northeast team. So we yeah. always have Tra, Naroka, Aizol, all of them. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would really like Mohammedan to come. So then we have also Calcutta representation by another big giant of Indian football. So, I mean, I League deserves a Kolkata team in some way. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to be partial because I have close tie-ups with ARFC and I have good friends there. So obviously, it would be nice for Gujarat also to have a football Absolutely. club. Absolutely, I was going to say I'm biased in that. Uh... It'd be good to get a good job team in one of the top leagues, and um, yeah. In but fact, like I you said, any of those, any yeah. of those teams in qualifiers can actually make a. I was going to say because Mohammedan's got incredible history there as well. So, and uh, from what you're saying, they've got uh, back good owners that um, and it's a well-run football. So, yeah, any of those clubs, I think, um, like you said, all of them deserve to be in the I League. But uh, any one that goes up uh, will add to the quality and. Um, uh, talking about quality again, um, was it a surprise, Sandesh, as to where he ended up after all the uh, well, no news during the past few months? Um, is that a uh, not really, not really big signing at ATK? I mean, it would have been really down to ATK saying, Okay, we have too many players, so let's not sign somebody. So that's the only <laughs> I was thinking that's the only reason why they wouldn't want to sign, but like they wanted to make a statement after you know merging and all that. What what better way to you know make a statement than buying potential Indian captain and perhaps arguably the best Indian defender? So big signing for them. I'm a little afraid for say Sumit Raji or who's had a very good uh, season last time around, young Indian centre back. So I don't know where he's going to fit in. Um, they've also got Subhashish Bose this summer. So there's a lot of Indian defenders there, a lot of wingbacks. So somebody like uh, uh, Sue Raj now, will his his position be threatened? So uh, a, a tricky uh, tricky team with a lot of talent. No, I mean, we have under-17 World Cupers not getting even one match there. Mm. So, I mean, I hope they loan out players to the I-League, you know, because you don't want to stagnate their growth. Yeah, but yeah. very strong team and no surprise in somebody's joining the, the biggest project out there. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, marquee signing for them in terms of an Indian player. And 
it's not like you say ATK were desperate for defenders, but he can only benefit that team. And uh, it's good to have him still in Indian football, I suppose, um, playing for at least another season. Uh, but looking forward to the I-League. Um, I don't think the dates of, or the fixtures, as usual, have been um, publicised yet. I know it's going to be November, December, January. Is that fair for the I-League in Goa? I, I, I No, the ISL. I mean, so ISL, yeah. ISL. Yeah, so I think it's starting on November 23, 20, like late November, and it's going to go on to March. That is the, I mean, the, the schedule isn't up, but they've given the dates. I think March, November 23 is, I think, tentative date. Because I am also thinking of possibly going to go up, uh, depending on whether I will, I mean, if they're going to allow journalists or not. But yeah, I think late November is when, they, when it's starting. All the teams have started assembling in Goa, though. Most teams yeah. have. I, I saw the uh, tweet from uh, Mr. Rohan Sharma that the Goa uh, squad was leaving for Goa. Um, the Orisha club, uh, Orisha FC club, was leaving for Goa the other day. Um, so they're starting preparations there. So they're starting that bubble regime. It would be incredible if you um, are able to go there and see uh, what it's like in the bubble and um in the stadium so that'll be uh good to see um I, have they made, made many announcements in terms of press and uh people being allowed in the stadium so they i did ask uh, marcus uh, i mean he's like the fabrizio of indian football journalism so i did ask marcus uh whether they're gonna allow journalists so he said they are still considering it so it's not a done deal yet uh, also, perhaps because you can do all these press conferences and everything via Zoom call and anything, so yeah. you don't necessarily need journalists out there apart from, say, the commentators and say somebody who's writing a press release and all. So I wouldn't be extremely surprised if they don't allow journalists also, but they did for the ISL final. You remember that happened in late March and COVID had already broken yeah, out. Yeah, that was behind closed doors. Yeah, they played it behind the door. Yeah, but so. They did allow for that particular match, so it really, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to pan out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that would be incredible. Uh, but um, what, what I thought was also, uh, as a build-up to uh, the ISL season, and it's going to be my second as well, and I'm so looking forward to it already, is starting to preview some of the teams and uh, some of the signings they made. And there's only one place to start, really. And that's what, what with a team uh, from your state. Um, at home. The Blasters, yeah. And... Um, not a very good season last week, uh, last season, um, but they made a couple of big changes um, back end of that in getting a new coach and a new sporting director. But how have you seen the close season, those signings that they've made? And obviously the big one was the loss of uh, Sandesh, but um, we know you'll be able to see that shirt uh, forever uh, that's been saved there as, um, as a tribute to him. Um, as a Carol of Blasters, Supporter fan, um, have you seen the last season with the changes, and uh, how do you preview the coming season as well? I mean, it's a very cliched saying that change is the only permanent thing, but I think with Kerala Blasters, change is the only permanent thing. <laughs> I think every, every summer is just a new new setup, new vision, new ambition, new set of players. So, as a journalist. I find it really disappointing that every year is a project restart for them. 
and you Does want it feel a bit more uh, permanent this time? I mean, Kibu is a big, great signing, and then you know, it's still a new signing. Yeah, it's a still a uh, still a new signing, and a big signing because he won with Mohan Bagan last time around. Till then, we nobody knew about Kibu, and also let's be honest, Mohan Bagan were a supremely talented side. They had the best set of players in the I League, so it was not really surprising that they won. It's not the same with Kerala Blasters. They they don't have the best set of players for any I League team, uh, ISL team, in fact. So, uh, how the project Kibu will work with a team that is significantly, say, uh, based on young Indians with a lot of potential but not really you know proven, is going to be something very interesting. But within Kerala, obviously, especially in the summer, there's a lot of optimism and positivity and there is hope that the SD is making really good signings. I think uh, general feeling with the foreign signings who've been confirmed are also, you know, somebody coming in from a, a, a team like Deportivo. It's, ne- it's not going to be a bad signing at all. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how to position myself in terms of optimism, in terms of, you know, uh, practical uh, practicality and everything. but. There is hope that at least this team will discover an Indian core this this season. Because they've signed, I mean, both Rahul KP and Sahil have signed long-term contracts. That's new for Indian football to see players sign five-year deals. So that's mm-hmm. a that's a clear vision and a, uh, you know statement from the team saying we trust in our youth and we're going to have these two Malayali players guide the Kerala team. Uh, then you have the likes of Nongdamba. Uh, you know, a, a good mixture of young players who can possibly do very interesting things. You, they've signed Nishu Kumar. Let's not forget that. That's a very good big signing. signing. Yeah, it's a big signing. I mean, it was done so early that a lot of people have forgotten that they've signed Nishu Kumar. They've got uh, Jesel Carnero, who had a very good season, almost cracked into the Indian team as, as a left back. So, not necessarily bad. You have the, the likes of Jackson, who got a lot of matches last time around. He could probably develop into a very good central midfielder. Like I said, there is definitely uh, definitely potential there. But now it's up to the coach and the whole setup to say, okay, we don't mind, say, not really performing in one season as long as we can get them game time and help Sahal discover his best, best form, best position, uh, goal scoring touch. Say, let Rahul discover his best, uh, you know, Satya Sen, all these young players, and also have a project where at least they go out and attack and have fun and, you know, play, play at least attractive football. I think, I think Kerala fans will be okay if there is some upward trajectory that way, that, you know, at least in terms of football, in terms of the, the core developing and all that. I, I think, like, let, let's be very honest, I think expecting a title is really far off considering how well say Goa, APK, um, obviously Bangalore will always be strong. So all these teams are like really building good solid units. So I think title is, title or let's say even qualification to the the semi-finals or the playoffs would be a big deal. But I don't, I don't fancy Kerala getting to either. So this is a season to consolidate and you know really develop their young players. And I think look at Odisha, for example. Now, last year they used the season really well to identify the good young Indians. Now they've backed them up with more Indians to you know, improve competition. I think that's a good route for Kerala Blasters also to take. So I think 
I'm, I'm positioning, I, I'm just trying to hope that they can emulate what Odisha did last season. And Odisha did play really well. They were in the reckoning for a playoff squad for a long time. And yeah. then towards the end, they did it simply because of, you know, lack of squad depth and everything. So, mm-hmm. if 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 uh, Kerala Blasters can, say, decode a good style and a, a project, I think, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's the honest honest impression from, uh, yeah, uh, from a fan perspective. Yeah, I, I, I agree with pretty much everything you say that I'll be surprised if they get into the playoffs. I think their title's a little bit. Uh, unrealistic but um, some of the positives are that hopefully this is the start of a actual project because um, I think Kibu will be a little bit I know he's had that season at Mohanbagan but hopefully he's used to a big club atmosphere let's face it the Blasters are a big club the fan base is huge so the expectation naturally with that you have to be able to handle so if he's handled that at Mohanbagan hopefully he'll be able to do that the blasters. Um, he's also shown a bit of uh, stubbornness in the sense that Bornbergen didn't have a good start to last season, but he stuck with it. And the management, more importantly, stuck with him and kept pace with him. So hopefully the blasters will do the same because I think it will be a transition year if they can keep this project going. But then when you look at the young players that you've got, uh, the potential there, and you mentioned all of them there with Zahao, uh, Nishu, Jackson. Uh, KL, um, it, the potential is there to build a good Indian core, young Indian core as well. Uh, my only question for you is, who's going to score the goals? Yeah, well, there is uh, there is this rumor on Cooper, who's very likely to uh, come to Kerala. So obviously, again, like every other season, I think most teams will be relying on foreigners to score the goals. But I feel the best position for Rahul is not in the wings. I think he's a secondary striker. He's got goals in him. Unlike, say, Sahel or a natural, uh, you know, winger. This, he is more of the uh, Sadio Mane mode, where like, they're fast, but they, they like to cut in and score goals. So, I think if a good coach realizes this, there is potential. And you also got Nongdamba, who's returning back after a loan spell in Mohan under Kibu. So, I think, imagine Nongdamba, Sahel and uh, Rahul oh. running at a, okay. yeah, I think, yeah, that's a, that's a good trio to be, you know, attacking. And if you add a very experienced foreigner for you know, the finishes, I think, I think Kerala has got something there. It really depends on how Kibu is going to line up. He did play like a 4-3-3 with a, with a sort of an auxiliary forward behind uh, his, uh, you know, main forward. So. Uh, he's really flexible that way, but again, we're all. Our entire assumption is based on one season with Mohan Bagan, and that's I think unfair to the coach as well because, I mean, a coach is bigger than just one year with one club. So let's just wait and see what he has, uh, you know, planned for Kerala Blasters. And are the Blasters fans known as being patient? Can see the big picture, the long-term goal. I, I see that. I see that pattern, though. Surprisingly, I don't have that much patience because I keep thinking. <laughs> like you know just win something already because these fans deserve it but um, i see a lot of people you know saying in, in sd we trust in the sporting director we trust and uh, in uh, in the project we trust and youth we trust so definitely i think the expectations uh, at the beginning of the season is very low that's always a good thing because i think uh, a, a good season of attractive football and a great you know, development curve for these young Indians will be a big, I think everybody's going to be happy with that season. 
that's a positive note to end in that the patient there and uh, the incredible fan base it's on my bucket list to come and see a game there i've seen it on video and can't wait, uh, wait to witness it uh, sometime in the future but that was a good insight into the i'm getting your i'm getting your yellow jersey as well I don't know if yellow suits me. I'm, I don't look good. I only look good in blue, as you know. Uh, but uh, for you, I'll wear the yellow. There is, a, there is some blue in the jersey as well. So, <laughs> I, I've got a, um, a, a allergy to red and uh, certain colours, <laughs> uh, but uh, blue I'm okay with. I'll wear the yellow for you quite uh, proudly when I come there because that'll be some experience. But no, that was a really good insight. And, it starts our build up to the ISL and just talking about the blasters and the expectations and you know it, they're fair in the sense that the playoffs would be a, a stretch the title is definitely a stretch but um, looking forward to seeing some of these new place uh, play, young players see how the coach um, settles down see his play, uh, formation and playing style so lots to look forward to for blasters fans um, hopefully in seeing the side being built for the future but um as always time flies when i speak to my friend um and it has flown by actually i've just seen the time so it's getting late back home um hopefully you're going to have uh, a nice indian meal there and uh, relax uh, there's no football tonight so that no work for you in that sense oh there's a lot more of work i think because there's still a lot to catch up from this exciting weekend of football so <laughs> still wrapping up on those things brilliant okay it's been brilliant as always talking to you uh stay safe my friend and same, same. um yeah. enjoy the international break and uh we'll catch up very soon because there's always lots to talk about in european football and definitely indian football as we build up to isl season take care my friend bye-bye you too bye